Sons, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 9th edition of the sunny side of sports. Our starting line is African Athletics. 2023 is set to be a big year for South Africa's Herda Stain, one of the continent's best long-distance runners. In April, she'll defend her title at the Two Oceans Marathon in Cape Town, and a few months later will try to win one of the world's most grueling ultra-marathons, the Comrades, for the second time. But as Darren Taylor reports from Johannesburg, Stain's focus in 2023 is far from limited to competing in her home country. 1989 course record, Herda Stain, the first athlete in history, female athlete to break three hours and... Herda Stain wins the two oceans marathon for the third year in a row in April last year. In 2019, at the age of 29, Stain became the first woman ever to clock less than six hours in the Comrades Marathon Uprun in the South African province of KwaZulu-Natal. Some of the world's best ultra-marathon athletes compete in the race that's run between the cities of Durban and Pietermaritzburg, a distance of almost 80 kilometers, almost 50 miles. Less than two years later, she became South African marathon record holder with a time of 2 hours, 25 minutes and 28 seconds recorded at the Tuscany Elite Marathon in Italy. In so doing, Stain smashed a record that had stood for more than a quarter century by more than a minute. It's been such a great journey that I've been on. I sometimes still wake up and think, I don't know how on earth this happened, but yes, it's been amazing. Amazing is the right word when considering Stain first pulled on a pair of running shoes in 2014 at the age of 24. She was working as a quantity surveyor in Dubai and wanted to keep fit. I joined a running club and I thought I'll make friends there. It looks good fun. I started training with them and soon after that they said, well, you need to come and join us for a marathon. Yeah, it sounded all right. I thought a bit far for me, but anyway, I liked this guy. Stain remembers standing on the start line, confused. And I said to the guys, like, who do I run with? How quick do I go? I don't even have a proper running watch or anything. They said, they just go on feel and try and stick with the group and then go quicker if you can. But I ended up beating all my friends. That's how... In the months that followed, she excelled and ended up quitting her job. To start with, it was a very big decision for me. It was a big risk to take. Everything was almost settled and I was happy with my job and everything. But I thought to myself, I'm very young. And I'm not looking at it as um, leaving my job to become a professional athlete or changing jobs to professional athlete. I was more looking at it as I'm taking a chance. Stain returned to South Africa. There she demonstrated such talent that she was competing in the Tough Comrades Marathon less than a year later. She finished 56th. The real change came really in my mind because for the first time I actually thought of myself as 
someone who can actually compete and compete with the best. And after that Comrades Marathon in 2015, everything else was second. And running for me, it started taking over everything. The next year, 2016, she placed 14th and the athletics world started noticing her. In 2017, she was 4th. Stain didn't run the 2018 Comrades because of injury. She did, however, compete in the Two Oceans, a race across Cape Town, and she won. Shortly after her victory, she received an invitation via email to take part in the New York Marathon. So, of course, I was on such a high after the win. To start with, I thought it is a joke or it is like wrong. This must be spam or something. But it turned out to be for real. And I was so humbled by this and so overly excited. In her first appearance in New York, she finished a creditable 13th. Stain surprised herself by beating quite a few East African runners, the traditional favourites in marathons. The next year, she finished 11th. This year, she thinks she's capable of a top five placing. In 2019, Stain won the Comrades to complete a remarkable and rapid rise to the top. She competed in the women's marathon at the 2020 Tokyo Summer Olympics, ending 15th out of 88 runners. Two of her major targets this year are improving her previous showings at the London and New York marathons. Stain was 7th in London in 2020. This year, she wants to be on the podium. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. Elsewhere in African athletics, one of the greatest distance runners of all time, three-time Olympic champion Tiranesh Dibaba of Ethiopia, is set to return to competition on Sunday, January 15th, after a long layoff of more than four years. The 37-year-old Dibaba will compete in a half marathon in the southwestern U.S. city of Houston, Texas. She told reporters after giving birth to a second child in 2019 and then battling COVID-19, she's ready to add another chapter to her illustrious running career. Dibaba says her training has been going well ahead of the Houston race. In addition to her three Olympic gold medals, Tiranesh Dibaba has won five world championship gold medals on the track. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Prince Nesta says Algerian captain Riyad Mahrez and Egyptian star Mo Salah both scored goals over the weekend in England's FA Cup competition. Prince has that story and much, much more in another extra spicy package of European club football news. Sporty greetings, Prince. Sporty greetings to you too, Sunny. Goals from Algerian captain Riyad Mahrez, Julian Alvarez and Phil Foden gave Manchester City a 4-0 win over Chelsea in the third round of the FA Cup. The result adds to the pressure on Blues manager Graham Potter, who has now lost six out of nine matches in all competitions. The loss also marks the first time this century that Chelsea have found themselves out of the fourth round fixtures. The under-fire manager assessed his team's performance. We suffered against a very good opponent. Um, we're not in a fantastic moment ourselves. 
to Manchester City. You know, you expect to um, be out of possession a while, but we couldn't really affect their back line as much as we'd like. We, we didn't play as well as we, we could with the ball, but um, we uh, can see the goal from a... a a set play, it's a, it's a direct free kick and it's a great strike and quickly a penalty and then it's 2-0 and then you're stuck between trying to chase the ball, get the ball back against a team that can really open you up. So it was a tough um, a tough afternoon for us and um, we're disappointed of course with the result and we're disappointed with the performance. Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola also shared his thoughts on the match. From the minute one until the end we we make an incredible intense intense game against a top side and we improve our game from the last game against we play against them three days ago so next round the FA Cup next competition so happy to to still be there Guardiola's team will play the winner between Arsenal's tie against Oxford United which is scheduled to be played on Monday Liverpool also earned the two-all draw against Wolverhampton Wanderers in the FA Cup tie played at Anfield. Egyptian playmaker Mo Salah and Uruguayan striker Darwin Nunes both netted for the Reds, while Goncalo Guedes and Hichan Huang were all on target to ensure Wolves and the replay at the Molinex Stadium. Here's Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp's reaction to his team's performance. We started really well in the game, did exactly what we wanted to do. Um, they had until 23, 24 minutes. I don't think they had anything. Um, had to work a lot um, to defend us. We, we played around. We played through their formation. Could have done better. That's what we wanted. We had good moments when Cody, especially when he was a bit more inside, and we opened up the wing for Robbo. Um, then all of a sudden we're one down. Um, that impacted the game. Could see it. They got um, um, more confident. Um, Cause us still these kind of problems with with um, um, counter attack, quick attacks, these kind of things. I mean, score super equaliser. I think that's a, that was a fair result for the first half, a, a minimum for us. And then second half, um, yeah, again dominant, but always tricky with their counter attacks. They uh, when they played football. Let me say, okay, the, the general subject of this game is that we didn't win decisive, enough decisive challenges. That's how it is. England skipper Harry Kane netted his 17th goal in all competitions this season as Tottenham Hotspur secured a 1-0 win over Portsmouth to advance to the fourth round of the FA Cup. The 29-year-old has now scored 265 goals for Spurs and is just a goal shy of Jimmy Greaves' record which has stood for more than half a century. Spurs assistant manager Christian Stellini had this to say about his team's performance. Very good uh, game, tough uh, opponent team. They play very compact. They close the space. In the first half, they were close to be perfect. We expect this type of game, but they were so so tough. And so it was a, a good game in the FA Cup because uh, when you play against team from uh, Ligue 1, you uh, expect this, but uh, they were so good. And this is good for the game. And to, uh, we enjoy more if we play against uh, this type of team. We had uh, the control of the game for all uh, the 90 minutes, but uh, we didn't create many chances in the first half because we were, they were so compact and we were maybe focused uh, not to, to move the ball quickly. In the second half, we tried to, to, to stretch them and to create the space in the middle, maybe using players to move and to change position. And was good for Skippy and Harry to have a, 
to great chances. That's first manager Christian Stellini sharing his thoughts following his team's win over Portsmouth in the FA Cup third round. England striker Marcus Rashford also scored for a fifth successive game as Manchester United and a deserved 3-1 FA Cup victory against Everton at Old Trafford. United manager Eric Ten Hag assessed his team's performance. Great performance. Um, staying in the game, but I think it was one of the first minute in the game. Um, yeah. As a team, we dealt good with the setback. And um, I think Marcus was the one um, who goes in front and uh, showed the convincement, showed the belief. Um, good, good movement, good runs behind, um, taking players on. And I think he was 90 minutes a threat for the defending uh, part of Everton. Thanks, Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag sharing his thoughts after his team's FA Cup victory against Everton at Old Trafford. After securing 10 wins out of 11 in all competitions, the Red Devils are set to face Liguan side Charlton in a Carabao Cup quarter-final match on Tuesday before entertaining Manchester City during the weekend. Moving on to the French League, French striker of Cameroonian descent Hugo Ekitike, Carlos Soler and Dioan Barnett all registered their names in the score sheet to help recent Germain secure a 3-1 win over third tier Chateroux in the French Cup round of 64. The Parisians rested their star player including seven-time Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi, French striker of Cameroonian descent Kylian Mbappe and Brazilian superstar Neymar. In other fixtures Zonjer beat Strasbourg on penalties after a nil-nil draw at regular time, while Lyon beat second division Mets 2-1 at home. Monaco blew a 2-0 lead against second tire Rodez before losing on penalty kicks following a 2-0 draw at regular time. The Red and Whites could have secured victory in the shootout, but Russian midfielder Alexandra Golovin failed to find the back of the net after blazing it shot over the bar. Ten-time French Cup champion Marseille managed to cope with an early sending off to secure a 2-0 win at fourth tire side Hayes. Ivory Coast international footballer Eric Bay was given a red card after just 15 minutes when his foot crunched into the chest of Mauritanian footballer Almaik Moussandiai. Ndiaye was stretched off before being taken to a local hospital. And finally, in the Spanish La Liga, Villarreal under 2-1 win against Real Madrid at their recently renovated El Madrigal Stadium, thanks to a second-half penalty from Gerard Moreno. The Los Blancos started the match without a Spanish player for the first time in their competitive history. Real are now second on the table, three points behind leaders Barcelona, who secured a 1-0 win against Atletico Madrid at the Stadio Metropolitano, thanks to a French strike of Malian descent Osman Dembele's goal. Reporting for the sunny side of sports and Prince Nestor. Thanks, Prince. We heard from Chelsea's under-fire manager, Graham Potter, at the top of Prince's report. Potter says Chelsea's American striker, Christian Pulisic, will be sidelined for at least two weeks with a knee injury. Potter says Pulisic hurt his right knee while attempting a shot last Thursday against Man City. Hello, this is Heidi Adams, host of Straight Talk Africa. 
Join me to explore what is now and what is next for African society, culture and politics. We'll go behind the headlines to analyze the news and emerging trends shaping Africa today. Straight Talk Africa, every Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. VOA Africa would like to hear from you. Send us a text message or a voice note on WhatsApp 24-7. Leave a comment, request or send us a greeting and you could be hearing your message on VOA Africa. Simply dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. We are always happy to hear from you. The number again is international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington and you're listening to the sunny side of sports. On the voice of America, did African football teams gain more international respect after the recent FIFA World Cup in Qatar? That's the question Iron Mike Mbonye posed to the chief football writer at ACLsports.com, Fisayo Dairo. I do think so. Um, obviously, they always have this little bit of respect for African players and African teams based on the exploits in previous competitions. But with what Morocco did in Qatar, of course, nobody saw it coming. This was a team that changed coaches just a few months before the World Cup. And they were able to go all the way to the semifinals. Even the semifinal game they lost to France, a lot of people believed that they, they deserved better than what they got in the game. So this is a mark. It is, it is remarkable for Africans and for the entire world. They know that Africa is here to make a statement. We've had sub-Saharan African teams excel at the World Cup level to the quarterfinal stage, the likes of Cameroon, Senegal, even Nigeria Super Eagles, although we've never passed the second round. They've always shown glimpses of what they're capable of doing. But what the Moroccans did in Qatar was enough to raise a new form of awareness to the soccer globe that Africans are definitely not what they used to be anymore. The next World Cup will be co-hosted by the USA, Mexico and Canada in the year 2026. And we understand that the format has changed to 48 teams now and that Africa will have nine slots. Do you think that the nine representatives of Africa will have this kind of challenge or the kind of a responsibility or huge task given the record set by Morocco to excel at that World Cup? Absolutely, because Morocco have always been some sort of uh, trailblazers for Africa at the World Cup. They were the first African team to reach the second round of the World Cup in 1986. And ever since, in every tournament, African teams have always taken after them. In 1990, Cameroon got to the quarterfinals. Nigeria were just three minutes away from the quarterfinals in 1994 before they, they lost to Italy. They got to the second round. 98, Nigeria were in the second round. 2002, Senegal in the quarterfinals. So definitely what the Moroccans have done now, I've told the rest of Africa 
that it is achievable. You know, these days, African football fans and teams have cowered to what the Europeans do because we have been inundated with lots of European football. So we, are, we see them as superior. We watch their leagues week in, week out. So sometimes we, we tend to believe that we can't achieve what they are achieving. But what Morocco have done in Qatar with the players, they, you know, they are players playing in Morocco, they are players playing in Qatar, they are players playing in the lower teams of France, Spain, and they were able to confound players playing in the top leagues of Europe. This is the message that African teams will embrace. Any team that gets to the World Cup in 2026, they want to believe that if Morocco could do it in an unfancied way in Qatar, they could always do it. And I believe that now that Morocco have broken that jinx by being the first African team to get to the semi-final, very soon we see more African teams get into the heights. Fisayo, you covered the World Cup in Qatar. And you also covered the 2018 edition in Russia. Looking at the two World Cups, or the two finals you've covered, what were those remarkable things about African players or those uh, outstanding players that you saw in 2018? Did you see outstanding players in 2018? Did you also see outstanding players in, 20, in the 2022 World Cup in Qatar? Yeah, there will always be outstanding players in every competition. And in a tournament like the World Cup, which is the apex of soccer in the world, you know, players always want to come and distinguish themselves. Yeah, in 2018, Nigeria were there as well. So um, Ahmed Musa, for instance, was one of Nigeria's best players in that competition, scored a couple of goals for himself and uh, did well. And in some other, the other African countries as well, although Africa could only also get a team to the next round, but even Morocco, they, they managed to, to win at least a game in that competition as well. But when you look at 2022, more African teams, we had more than one African team in the next round. That's, we had Senegal and then Morocco. So for players like, uh, as Hakim Ziyech, for players like, the Moroccan striker, Enesri, their top striker in the competition. And of course, Ghanaian, Mohamed Kudus, who, although Ghana could not progress beyond the group stage, he did enough. Now a lot of clubs in Europe are trailing him for his services. These are some, these are some of the players that will always bring their A game to the table when it's the biggest football event of, in the world. And that's what I saw in Qatar. In Russia, maybe not. Africa did not get that kind of uh, participation, that kind of performances that they had maybe in 2014 or in 2010 when just a, a spot kick prevented Ghana from getting to the semi-final. This time around, at least to start with, every African team got wins for themselves and then we had Morocco going as far as the semi-final so these are some of uh, the guys that really shone for themselves also Youssef Msakni the, the Tunisian captain has always been a very fantastic competition player and he also did it once again in Qatar That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com and Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com and you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The sunny side of sports remembers Modeste Mbame, 
the former Cameroon and PSG midfielder who died Saturday at the age of 40 after a heart attack. Mbami scored three goals in 37 international appearances for the indomitable Lions of Cameroon. He was also a member of Cameroon's team that won the gold medal at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, Australia. On Twitter, PSG made the following statement, and I quote, We learned with deep sadness of the passing of our former player, Modeste Mbami. The club offers its sincere condolences to his family and loved ones. Mbami played at PSG between 2003 and 2006. He also played for several other French clubs, including Marseille. Cameroon's current head coach, Rigabert Song, played with Mbami. Song said, and I quote, I will keep your good humor, your talent, and your joy of living with me. Rest in peace, my little brother. And FIFA president Gianni Infantino shared a photo of Mbami on Instagram with the caption, Such sad news. Rest in peace, Modeste Mbami. Turning to tennis, the United States defeated Italy 4-0 to lift the inaugural United Cup trophy in Sydney, Australia. Craig Gabriel reports from Sydney. 18 nations started the inaugural United Cup. The USA is the one holding the trophy. The trophy, a bowl in sterling silver and 24-carat gold plating, was made in England by golds and silversmiths with a royal warrant and has a few symbolisms with its design. The trophy weighs 15 kilos or more than 33 pounds. For the USA, it was a team event. Jessica Pagula, Taylor Fritz, Madison Keys, and Francis Tiafo bonded very well and gained confidence from each other. They defeated Italy when Fritz clinched the point that gave the USA its unbeatable lead. The final started with Pagula scoring a 6-4-6-2 victory over Martina Trevisan, a semi-finalist at last year's French Open. She had a great tournament which included her biggest win, an upset over Maria Sakkari that will be a contender for Women's Match of the Year. However, against Pagula, Trevisan was not able to reach those heights, although there were some moments when she did. Overall, Pagula delivered on her mantra, which is determined. I had an incredible year last year like I don't think I really am putting pressure on myself to duplicate that year because I think it was very special in something that probably won't be duplicated but I feel like I have different goals this year um, and I feel like I kind of like am resetting the year like going in is it's a new year because it is a new year and you never know what's going to happen and you never know how you're going to feel or you know it's just a, a different totally different type of challenges and goals than I had last year so I mean, I'm just going in as, as it's a new year, and um, it's been amazing to spend time with these guys and, and start the year like this. It's been super fun and, like, already super memorable and something, you know, I won't be able to duplicate the following year. So I don't really think you can compare year to year. Everything is different, and there's always new challenges, and I think that's what tennis is um, and sports in general is always going to bring. It's You're always different challenges every single year. So, I, I mean, I don't really look, I mean, rankings, points, money, whatever it is. Um, you just got to take it day by day because it's, it's a long year. Then Francis Tiafo beat Lorenzo Musetti 6-2, the Italian succumbing to a shoulder issue and he retired. Team USA was now in the box seat and there was some big hitting when Fritz and Matteo Berrettini squared off for the third time and for the third time Taylor won 7-6, 7-6. It was super exciting just like 
team events are always so much more fun when you win because it's so much more like uh, it's just so much more uh, exciting. There's so much more emotions. Everyone you can celebrate with your whole team as opposed to just celebrating uh, by yourself. So. For good measure, Madison Keys won her singles as well, and the entire team invaded the court to celebrate. In Adelaide, Novak Djokovic has saved championship point to rally back and win the Adelaide International over Sebastian Corda, 6-7-7-6-6-4. Australian Open is the biggest reason why I'm here, but at the same time in Australia, but at the same time, I want to win every tournament that I play on, regardless of the level of the tournament. So, I mean, I love playing in, in Australia. <laughs> I mean, my results are testament to that. I wouldn't be able to play so well in a place where I don't feel well. So, I look forward to Melbourne. Rod Laver Arena is probably my most, no, it probably, it certainly is my most successful court in my career. The women's went to Arena Sabalenka. She beat 18-year-old Czech Linda Noshkova, who gave us a taste of what's to come. She's had a phenomenal week, and Sabalenka has to dig deep to win 6-3, 7-6. And in rain-affected Auckland, Coco Goff has won 6-1-6-1 over Rebecca Masarova. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Sydney. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. And that wraps up the January 9th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. I get it. And that's the sunny side of sports. <laughs>